letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 1, we are looking at verses 11 through 14. The conclusion of this sentence. Please follow in the reading of the word of God. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with the view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to be overwhelmed as the Apostle Paul was when he wrote this sentence. And Father, may it change our souls that people will note us and note that we have something different than the rest of the world. We have the passion and the power of the Most High God. Help us to be overwhelmed with praise with everything that we do. To you, my King, my Lord, in Christ's name, amen. This sentence started in verse 3, it goes through verse 14, and we're looking at basically three aspects of the Trinity's plan. The first was, you were chosen. They planned you to be in the body of Christ before the foundations of the world. Second, You were blessed. Do I understand what blessing is? To be in the body of Christ is a blessing. I look at it today in the United States, and it's not seen that way. It's not acted on that way. To use a Russian pastor's term, in the United States today, we add Christ to our lives. It's just something that we do. I have traveled internationally, and when I am there, I see Christ is life. And you just don't see that in the United States. It's just not not there. We're either too busy or too confused or whatever it is. You can use every any and every excuse you want. But understanding that the blessing. But then we are looking now at this inheritance. We are heirs. We have an inheritance that is guaranteed, and it is all part of the Trinity's plan. I have aspects of the body, I have the aspects of the blessing, and now I have the aspects of the inheritance. And that's what we're looking at. Now, I started last week into this verse 11 because there's a phrase right there at the beginning of this verse. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Stop right there. That phrase is a past tense verb that is passive. Okay, and everybody goes, boy, I'm glad I know that now. But what that does, it has two possible interpretations to it. One is that it could be that you and I, because we are saved, we are the inheritance. We are an inheritance to the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did. Okay, so it can be that way. In that case, that makes you and I, who are believers, his possession. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we are his. Okay, now when I read through this sentence that is 202 words long, the Apostle Paul is freaking out in praise. 
I mean, he can't hardly stand himself because he has looked into the throne of heaven before the foundations of creation. And he says, look at this plan. And that you and I are involved in this plan. I look at it, and as I read through just in a cursory reading, as this plan unfolds, and of course I've read a few other parts of this letter, actually the whole thing every day, I look at what God has done, and how can we not have nothing but praise on our lips all the time? It should lend itself to our to our lips in the letter to the philippians in chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus okay have this attitude okay have you ever heard that you know they gave me a bad attitude that person gives me a bad attitude when i'm around you know what that's a lie okay No one should be able to affect your attitude. Now, you can let them, but you should have this attitude. What is this attitude? As Christ had, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we all go, amen. But see, you forgot the fart that says you should have this attitude. I should be a humble slave. The actual Greek term there for bondservant is the word we get slave from. But, you know, politically correct, we don't want to say slave because that's mean. But no, you're a slave. You're Christ's slave. For this reason, because of that humble obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God, the father. God exalted him. God exalted him. I shared with you last week. We can look at that and say, we are the spoils of Christ's victory. What he did was to obtain us. Yeah, he got the short end of that deal, didn't he? Mercy. But, as I shared with you last week, there is another way this can be translated because of the form of the verb. Okay, it can be translated this way. What I shared with you last week is we are his inheritance. Okay, now and I can look at it and say, you know, creation is his inheritance. He is the one who can open the seven sealed scroll, which is the title deed of existence. And he gets to do that. All right. Amen. Theologically, that is true, but it can also be translated in whom we have obtained an inheritance. Okay, it can also mean we have received Christ as our inheritance. 
All right? It can be translated both ways. All right? In one sense, we are an inheritance. Another is, he is our inheritance. Okay? As I said, we got the better end of the deal. Listen, this is amazing to me because, see, we read when we are in him, we are in Christ. Okay. And I can guarantee you looking at the average Christian, they have no concept of what that is. He is our inheritance. When you or I became a Christian, he becomes ours. You remember the hymn? I am his. He is mine. Okay. I mean, it's, it's an old hymn. And we go, oh, yeah, amen. I am his. He is mine. Do you understand what you're saying? Both are true. When I became a Christian, I inherited the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me use the vernacular that I used last week. He became my personal possession. Last week I showed you that we were inheritance to him. We became his personal possession. Because I can translate it the other way. I have, he has become my personal possession. Have you ever thought about that? Both are true. And I know that you're going to, well, are you sure? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 21. So then, let no one boast in men. Got that? Don't let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. You know what? If you take it back to the original language, all things belong to you. You know what all means? All. All things belong to you. So why would you boast in men? Why would you boast in what men have done or can do? Verse 22 of that same text. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you. All things. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. It's all yours. You know what's amazing about that verse? Past tense. You know what that means? I'm not waiting on it. It's already there. You are Christ. You and I inherit everything he inherits. He inherits you. You inherit everything that he inherits. Got that? People ask me, why Why do I feel the way I do about the church? You ain't getting the message yet? He inherited the body of Christ. I, as a Christian, guess what? I inherit whatever he inherits. Which would include the body of Christ. 
I hear people say being a Christian is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Okay. Now I want you to think about that for a second. How beautiful is that union? Ever thought about it? Oh yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, everything that he inherits, I inherit. That's amazing to me. What doesn't belong to Jesus Christ? Think about something. Tell me what doesn't belong to him. You know that Yosemite Sam is not the one who's going to be doing the tormenting in hell. You know that, right? I just, I just want you to understand that. I know we all like to think he is. He ain't. Jesus Christ is doing it. Okay? You guys got to get a hold of this. I, it is astonishing to me in this day and age how we don't understand. Well, you know, you'll hear, well, you must be born again. All right. I'll give you that. I have no problem with that. But after you become born again, what are you going to do next? I remember, I, I remember when I, I was released from what I call public housing. And, and all I knew about Christianity is that I need to be baptized. And I didn't need to waste any time. Okay? So I went to a church, and it was a, on a Wednesday, and I went to this guy, and I, and he says, yeah, and I said, I need to be baptized. And he says, well, you know, we don't, and I was like, dude, if you ain't gonna do it, I'll go find somebody who will. And I know that the pastor was like, this guy's nuts. I should probably baptize him. And so they baptized me. When I came up out of the water, I just looked at him. And of course, everybody's standing there. It's a Wednesday night. And they're all going, oh, this guy, just he just walks right in and just wants to be baptized. And I said, what am I supposed to do now? And I know it freaked him out because if I'd have been a pastor and I'd have had that happen, I'd have probably fell over dead. And he just came out, well, go read the Gospel of John. All right. So then I... Start looking around in the Bible and say, why does this guy want me to read in the middle of a book? That don't make sense to me. Why do I start in the middle? Okay. Why? Because I understood that the baptism was my first act of obedience. And what do I do now? Too many of us in this day and age, hey, got no idea after what do I do now? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Do you understand that? One spirit with him. You became one with the Lord Jesus Christ. I watch people... Who get married. And they say, well, the two will be one. And, and I, it, <laughs> maybe I'm cynical. But I'm sitting there going, you have no idea what you just stepped into. You got two blind, naked, and depraved individuals who are going to get along. Right. Okay, because neither one of them's will is going to be overwhelming the other person's will. Will it? 
Okay? Yet the picture of a man and a woman in marriage is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and His people. And that's amazing to me. We have this thing here in its all of its frailty and all of its faults. And yet it is a picture of the oneness that every child of God has with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is right there, right then. We have become one with Jesus Christ. You know what happens? Okay, now here's what's going to happen. And I, you're just going to have to suck it up, buttercup. When you become one with the Lord Jesus Christ, He becomes yours, you become His. So guess what happens? You absolutely, completely, utterly lose your identity. It's gone. History. When you struggle in your life, understand all you're doing is trying to assert his identity with your identity. And you know what? I know who wins that battle every time. A Christian has no identity apart from the person of Jesus Christ. None. Listen, the Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Where's Paul's identity? Christ. Listen, we go through the world living as Christians. We are to be Christ in this world. Whose identity is in that? His. Period. We are to love as He loves. We are to help as He helps. We are to care as He cares. We are to share as He shared. Listen, that this is what this is all about. The Great Commission is what? Go make what? Learners. Disciples. Make them Learners. How do I do that? I say, look at me. Walk as I walk. The things you have heard from me, the things you have seen in me, do these things. Try it. That's it. But see, your battle will be the fact that you believe you got something important. And you don't. You have no identity. The only identity that a Christian has is Christ. And when I struggle, when I have a battle going on, I know what it is. It's old knothead Terry standing up saying, well, I'm important. By golly, I know I'm important. I'm only going to be important for a minute, but I'm going to take my minute right now. And Christ said, no, you're not your own. You've been bought and paid for with a price. We are not in this world To take advantage of our temporal existence. Because see, when you do that, all of a sudden it becomes about you. And once you step into that wagon, guess what? 
the war is on. His identity or your identity? We are in the world to lose our lives. We are in the world to flesh out Christ. As Christ lost his for the good of others, guess what? We should be losing ours for the good of others. And and it's a battle. I know it's a battle. I had to go up to Leadville to deal with my friend's place again on Tuesday. And all the way up. I was mad. I'm driving up there thinking, you know what? That little drunk causing me all this and I got to drive all the way up there. have to deal with that stinking old house. All that old nasty stuff again. And I got to go sign these papers. I don't want no part of this. He doesn't even know who I am half the time when I go visit him. I know none of you guys have ever feel that way. But I did. And I was furious. And by God, I got off of the interstate there at Copper Mountain. And God says, oh, you complaining? Watch this. And it just started snowing buckets. I'm sitting there in a sleeveless t-shirt thinking... I'm standing in a snowstorm, Lord, and it's June. Keep your complaining. Finally got up there. Got out of the truck. Started looking, trying to get things squared away. Snowing like crazy. And I said, Father, forgive me. It is for such a time as this that you brought me here. Guess what? Snow quit, sun came out. I'm like, Right on, I should have done that earlier. Okay? We have things that we have to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you sit and say, I don't want to do this. It's sort of like everybody says, well, where have you been traveling to? And I tell them where I go traveling. They go, well, why you go there? And I, to this day, I don't know. Because I do not go to the vacation capitals of the planet. Orel, Russia is not the vacation planet. And when it's... Ain't snowing. There's mosquitoes so thick that you can see them. And you're like, well, that's pleasant. I want the snow. The snow doesn't bite me and keep me up at night. So I share these things with you because we are Christ in the world. Christ lost his life for the good of others. When a true Christian lives as they should... You know what is amazing? You can't tell where they leave off and Christ begins. There is no difference. There is no distinction. You can't see the divining line. See, that's why the Great Commission is to make disciples because once they have learned, then they become apostles and they are sent out messengers. The problem is we got too many people who are out there opening their big old pie holes that should keep them shut. And we don't want to take the time to be learners before we open our mouths. We should know. And once it is known, then it is reflected in us. And no one can see the dividing line from the individual and the person of Jesus Christ. There are too many people out there right now who are opening their mouths that sound self-centered. And that ain't Christ. So it is true. We are his inheritance. 
But it is also true that He is our inheritance. We are one. The body of Christ is one in Jesus Christ. If you've ever been, I've been to some big churches. And big churches that have reached into the depths of Scripture and poured it out on the people on a moment-by-moment basis. And when you walk in with thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you realize you're one with all of these people. There is no hyphenated anything. There is no African Christian. There is no Mexican Christian. There is no Caucasian Christian. They are Christians. They are Christ incarnate. There's no hyphenation. And yet, you, I had this discussion not so long ago. The guy says, well, I attend a messianic congregation. And I was like, what? He says, yes, we are completed Jews. I said, really? He says, yes, you should come and attend. I says, well, I'm a completed Gentile. Oh, by the way, I'm a messianic Gentile too. There ain't no such thing. You're either a believer, a Jew, or a Gentile. Those are your three options. And yet, there is no separation of the identity of an individual Christian and the person of Jesus Christ. And when there is, it's our fault. In this phrase, both points are true. Okay? But, for your clarity, I will help you. I believe the second one is the one that Paul is giving the emphasis to. That we have this inheritance. He is telling us we have obtained these promises. These promises. He speaks of uh, the things God has for us. And if you read the book, the first three chapters, he just goes, wow, can you believe all this? And then the last three chapters, because of all of that you just read, this is how you should look. Both interpretations are possible. Both are true theologically. Listen, Paul is in the midst of a bunch of praise. I mean, he starts it off there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word blessed means to eulogize, to speak well of. What we receive in Christ is because we are chosen. What we receive in Christ is because we were redeemed. What we receive in Christ is because we have promised. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance and it's reserved. Okay, now, we get hung up on that because we think, well, okay, our inheritance and all these promises and everything uh, are in the future. Because they're reserved in heaven, right? 
Uh, it's not just the future. We should long for the fulfillment in the future. You know, I, it's funny. I had a conversation this week with a person who thinks they want to be a Christian. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation when they can come. I think I want to be a Christian. Well, woo <laughs> But then you realize because the next statement is exactly what I've been trying to tell you. Terry, I think I want to be a Christian. All right. What do I get? A black eye. <laughs> Everybody knows that. What do I get? And it was kind of funny at first, but then you realize, what is this inheritance? We talk about an inheritance. We get this inheritance. Are you ready? Every promise God ever made, period. That's what you get. Are you ready for that? Do you see how silly it is to chase the things of this world? When God says, no, nah, I'm going to, every promise I ever made is yours. I got one. What time is it? 10 to noon. Would you like me to list them off for you? I should be finished by Thursday. Every promise God ever made. Now, people can sit and say, well, you know, I think that's a bunch of hokey. Okay, I'll give you proof. Second Peter chapter one, verse four. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Okay. Did you get that? I have escaped the corruption of the world. That isn't good enough for you. Let's try this one. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. For as many are the promises of God in him, they are. Yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Our amen. All of the promises to a Christian are. Yes. If God made it, it's yours. Now. Because he says the amen. When you see that, some of your translation may say verily, verily. Jesus will say amen and amen. And sometimes we'll translate it verily, verily. What it means is so let it be, so let it be. It's not even negotiable. God is in the business of giving. And you think about the things that we chase. Think about it. What we chase. Well, if I get this, it'll make me happy because I got this. Or if I, maybe one of, one of these, these over here will be good. This person in my life will make me, I will be happy. 
Okay? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked for peace? You ever looked for love? You ever looked for grace? Have you ever looked for wisdom? How about eternal life? You ever looked for joy? Have you ever looked for victory? You ever looked for strength? Do you ever look for guidance? How about, have you ever looked for all you would ever need? How about your daily bread? How about power? Have you ever looked for knowledge? Have you ever looked for mercy? Have you ever looked for forgiveness? Have you ever looked for righteousness? Have you ever looked for gifts of the Spirit? They're all yours. Right now. Ah, but don't forget. I said all the promises that God has made are yours right now. Included in that are trouble, pain, and suffering. I don't want you to just walk into this thing blind. These are promises. Still... I have fellowship with the Trinity. I have instruction from the Word. I have truth. I have spiritual discernment. I have heaven. I have a room in my Father's house. I have eternal riches. Now, that's my inheritance. Every promise that was ever made to the Lord Jesus Christ or to humanity is ours now. When we become a Christian, we are one with Christ Jesus. Which means, you receive everything the Father gives the Son. Remember in Romans, Paul said we are joint heirs. Everything the Father gives the Son, He gives to you and I. We inherit every. Single promise. Every single promise God has ever made. You're an heir to. So, people say, well, I'm just uncomfortable sharing the gospel. Really? How can that be? Because the gospel offers everything. But I don't want to share that with anybody. I don't want you to have everything. Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean, that's goofy as a loon. Listen, I'll be honest. I'm not an evangelist. I don't play one on TV and I did not sleep in a Holiday Inn with one. Okay? No, I ain't an evangelist. But you know what? I know that God has given me every promise that he's ever made. And guess what? I should probably share that with somebody. Would you like every promise that God ever made? I won't tell you about the suffering and trials and tribulation thing, but uh, the rest of them are kind of cool. Love, grace, forgiveness, righteousness, love, joy, peace, strength, wisdom, power. We share the gospels. Why? That is the ground of our inheritance. 
And when you start thinking that every promise that God has ever made is to you, amen. Let it be. Every promise God ever made is the amen to the body of Christ. Interesting concept. We'll get deeper into this in the weeks to come. The ground of our inheritance, the guarantee of our inheritance, and the goal of our inheritance. Father, we love you and we thank you that your promises are yes in Christ. Help us who are called by your name. Walk in the power and the majesty of these promises. Father, knowing that uh, you are our shepherd and your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Help us, Father. Help us to understand. Help us to walk worthy. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, help us be overwhelmed by your presence. And Father, help us to die to self, to live to Christ. That, Father, when people see us, they no longer see the temporal. They only see the risen King. In Christ's name, amen.